Orange wine is a little confused term these days because from what I know, once upon a time, orange wine meant red wine that was aged so long that it lost its, most of its color and it became more orange. Mm. Or white wine that was aged so long that it gained color and became orange. And then orange wine was white wine made like a red wine. It was like the opposite of a rosé. Interesting. And then sometimes it was used for red wine made like a white wine. So it was like taken off the skins immediately. So it's like a rosé, but like more pale. Mm. And then now you're talking about orange wine that actually has like orange, orange in it. So now it's just, it's all over the place. So yeah, no kidding. <laughs> We're going to have to do an orange wine uh, episode just to try yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where we can eat or drink local. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dan, and we are talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at TasteBC Radio, or email us at host at tastebcradio.ca. All right, tasters, let's get into it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Jeff. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. How was work over the holidays? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Because you worked, you worked the evening of Christmas Eve into Christmas Day and the evening of Christmas night into Boxing Day, right? Yeah. It was not, yeah. uh, not the worst. It allowed me to have like Christmas Day to spend with family and stuff, which was really nice. So we had a big, um, big family dinner and had everybody over to celebrate, uh, my son's first Christmas, which was amazing. Yeah. Everything went really well. I think it was just, uh, just a really fun family gathering. Unfortunately, I had to dip out at about 20 after 6 to get back to work, or get to work, but it was still a delightful, delightful event, and uh, I think everybody had a really good time, and it wasn't nearly as stressful as, I guess the anticipation is the most stressful part, and trying to like get everything ready, and then you just kind of enjoy yourself. Especially as the host, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I imagine it probably was better, or worked better having you work nights, as annoying as that was, but at least you're not working throughout the whole day for sure yeah it gives you some more time to spend at home with family so that was uh as much as i'm tired after night shift it was still uh still a better way to go than uh working throughout the whole day which would have which would have been awful right yeah (laughs) yeah and it was uh it was your son's first christmas and it was my nephew's first christmas and it was so exciting oh yeah it was just a delight my wife and i have plaid onesies that we wear sometimes she's had hers for a long time and i just recently got one just because it's kind of fun and goofy where did you get your onesie before we continue superstore really yeah oh man i'm gonna have to find one because i want i want a onesie they're in style in terms of like at home lounging yeah so yeah yeah we wore those and by coincidence my nephew had a plaid onesie that said my first christmas on it and so he was wearing that and so the three of us were matching and my sister his mother was wearing plaid pajama pants as well. So we got a, a good picture of all of us in our plaid. <laughs> yes, it, it looks so funny. good. It was so cute. Oh, yeah. And uh, so your holiday season was good as well? Yeah, it was a little busier than I would have liked, but that's okay. I, I booked off the 22nd to 26th intentionally to have more of a relaxing Christmas season than last year, because last year I worked Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, and it was just Oof. super chaotic trying to do everything. Yeah. But it ended up leaving a lot of space to do a lot of things so uh it it was it was good it was all enjoyable but again kind of like you the stress of leading up to it and being around lots of people and everything i get i've i don't know if it's my old age or if it's just i spent too long alone during covid but i've I've gotten to the point where i'm starting to uh get anxious around too many people and Mm -hmm. i have to kind of take breaks and step out and totally just kind of cool off or whatever so 
I feel like I've discovered in as as time goes on that I'm one of those like introverted extroverted, whereas like mm-hmm. some kind of like a mix. Some people like energize me and stuff like that, and then eventually my batteries just run very low very quickly, yeah. and then like yeah. I just need a break just from like human interaction, just to like chill and <laughs> no, yeah. and uh, yeah. and yeah, recharge. They, basically, they're, they're calling so, it omnivert. Omnivert. Oh, I like yeah. it. Yeah, that's I definitely feel that. I find I think this is probably common for a lot of people and. For me, if I'm spending time with people I'm close with and trust, then it's okay to have that downtime throughout. But if you feel like you constantly have to be on and you don't know the people as well, then that's super exhausting. So like when I come home from work and I'm talking to customers all day, I get exhausted from that. But if I'm sitting around with you and some of my closest friends, it's exhilarating and and it pumps me up. So I feel that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Oh, oh man. Or, I or even... I'll say, or goals. Goals for 2024. I want to focus on my sleeping health. I think that really okay. negatively affects me uh, when I, I, I think with shift work as well. Yeah, it's got to be really tough with shift work. Yeah, that's just a hindrance to get from the get-go. But I think like trying to sleep at a more like regular time on my days off and like trying i find i'm noticing that if i go to bed after 11 like if i'm asleep after 11 it's just it's that's like too late for me now mm-hmm. <laughs> which is funny coming out of my mouth because usually like i don't mind st- i used to not mind staying up and then getting up uh relatively early but my my goodness like it just destroys me <laughs> Yeah. So like even if I'm at even if I'm asleep by like ten forty five, I notice a difference. So I'm like that's kind of my goal is just to be like have more nights where I'm asleep before eleven and then uh see how that affects me as time goes on. Yeah, I was I was similar for a long time. I was, you know, up late and up staying up late and getting up early and just kind of riding it through and then maybe I'd crash once a week and just sleep fourteen hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh in the last couple years since I've left the culinary industry, actually, Mm -hmm. especially I've kind of really focused on prioritizing sleep and making sure that I'm getting enough of it. And especially with the increase in running that I've been doing, it's, it's very like, you need that sleep to recover. Otherwise you're just going to, like you said, destroy yourself. So I can't imagine how hard it must be for shift work for you to have any kind of regularity. Like that's got it. That's the worst. I, I thought it was bad when I'm working like nights and I have not nights evenings and i have Mm. school in the morning i have to get up for or whatever it's just yeah yeah. and then on top of your shift work you also have baby duty and stuff so yeah it's It's, um just the night shifts i find like like you're i just find myself in a constant deficit like of course yeah um i'd love to see our service go to something similar to what vancouver police department do which is like they do four day shifts in a row four days off four afternoon shifts in a row four days off four night shifts in a row so it's like right you're doing the same shift instead of this like two days two nights four off it's yeah it is like it's there's actually been a few studies that's have said and that's why vancouver pd changed to that uh model you just need like a lot more employees and we're not swimming in employees yet so we can't really we can't really do that as of yet i don't think but i there is some more and more research out there that is showing like that that two days two nights four off is like the worst for your circadian rhythm like by far and uh so to go from 
that to like a more stable work like work sleep balance um as as much as it's nice to have that 24 hours off in between two shifts like it's just it's so much better for your body just to be in something that's a bit more that has a bit better yeah, rhythm yeah, to for it sure. you know how about you what is a what is a new year's goal 2024 goal well this year is going to be cool because i am going to graduate in april so yeah. the goal is to find a career <laughs> figure out what i'm gonna do with my degree and yeah yeah for those who are avid listeners of the show they know that uh, degree is in sustainable business and then my mm-hmm. kind of personal goal i guess it aligns with like a fitness goal is i want to run a 100k race in the fall and i have one picked out that i'd like to do but Hopefully everything lines up properly that I'll be able to do that. And yeah, I'm super stoked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. That's super exciting. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, see where you end up. I'm uh, I'm uh, very excited for you. I think it's going to be really uh, real a really interesting year, like you said. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited and nervous and scared and you know all the things. So hopefully it all works out well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, welcome to 2024. Yes. This is the the Uh, first episode of the new year. If you haven't listened to our Christmas special bonus episode, what are you doing? Yeah. You're you're missing (laughs) out. It was a good one. uh, Yeah, it was fun. I I thoroughly enjoyed that one. It was great. Um, But today, we're bringing it back to the proper format. And what are we talking about today, Dan? We're talking about date date night. night. So not a category per se. But more of an experience category. Mm-hmm. And let me know what you got for me, Dan. Where are you taking me on a date? Am I going first? Oh, God. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. You're going first and you're going to like it. <laughs> well, I've got a really, really amazing spot to to bring you. I don't know if you've actually been here since it's opened. The place that I want to talk to you about is an absolutely breathtaking restaurant that is uh, just at the entrance of the Inner Harbor to Victoria on the water. And it's called Boom and Batten. So Boom and Batten opened in 2019 and has quickly made a very, very big name for itself as one of the best restaurants and the most beautiful restaurants in Victoria. The cool thing about it it is is it's located in uh, as part of the only mega yacht dock in Canada, believe it or not, or at at the time. I don't know if there's been one built since it's opened, but in 2019, this was the first mega yacht uh, marina in Canada. So it is literally on the water. In uh, when you see pictures of it, it looks like it's on stilts on the water, and it's at the entrance of the inner harbor. So you get these beautiful view on a like a clear sunny day. You can see right across the water to you can see the Empress. You can see um, Hotel Grand Pacific. You can see Laurel Point Inn. Right. If there's cruise ships in, you could probably see the side of some cruise ships, and then you can see the. Uh, Olympic Mountains from the United States right across the water. It is yeah, an absolutely wow. stunning, stunning spot to go and have a meal. And they've really played to their strengths in terms of the design of the restaurant. Like when you look at it, it's got basically floor to ceiling windows like wrapping around the entire restaurant, uh, the sitting area, yeah. I should say. 
It's really pulling in a lot of natural light, really trying to make it a beautiful and romantic ambiance for its patrons. It's a really, really cool spot just in general. And then you can see some really cool uh, ships that are docked. Last time we were there, they had like, I think it was like a 40 or a 50 foot yacht that was like blue and it kind of looked like a massively over like an overgrown tugboat. It was really cool looking actually. And you could see like yeah. on deck and it had this beautiful uh, wraparound couch and lots of like living area and stuff like that. And one of the kind of neat things I find is that you get, if you're like me and you enjoy people watching because it's an international marina, you can see lots of people from all over the world that have like docked their ship there. And so you can see a lot of really interesting people and hear a lot of really interesting uh, stories of their travels or where they're from. And so I've heard people from obviously the United States, uh, different parts of Canada, um, down through Mexico and stuff like that. It's uh, so very, very cool spot just in general. Yeah. And very romantic. Like at night, you can just see the the Empress. You can see the part of Parliament building that's all lit up. The moon is usually shining on the water, so you get the glistening of the water. You've got the lights of downtown Victoria. It's just, it's so beautiful. Amazing. It's very, very much one of my favorite places to go and eat for that reason, but also their food is just fantastic. I'll start with kind of like the are part of this really interesting program, a really cool uh, program that Camosun College uh, puts on, which is like they did a, a Camosun food affair. And Boom and Batten is one of about 40 food establishments in Victoria or the, in lower Vancouver Island that have gone into partnership with Camosun College. And Camosun provides them with um, culinary and, and hospitality management students so they right. can get some uh, real life experience within Victoria's food industry, which is really, really cool. Yeah, it's important too because you can talk about everything until you're blue in the face in theory, but people go to culinary school and they leave and they have no idea what the real world's like. Exactly. Yeah. In 2021, Camosun did uh, their very first, what they called food affair, Victoria food affair, or sorry, Camosun food affair. And it was basically like highlighting all the 40 different establishments and you could come over to Camosun College and and talk with the the managers and stuff of the different restaurants and try samples of their food. So a great way to kind of promote the local food industry, especially during uh, the pandemic. Just a really cool program that they've started. Cool. the food itself, they strive to have all of their ingredients locally sourced, especially the seafood, as you know, like being on the island. And yeah, we so. have, <laughs> there's there's tons of options for uh, locally sourced uh, ocean-wise uh, seafood, and they try their absolute hardest to get their uh, uh, other like meats and vegetables from local vendors and farms and stuff like that. So definitely trying to do their brilliant food with locally sourced ingredients, which is something that we I've always been a been a fan of. And it really, yes, of course, really yeah. does reflect the quality of the food that you are able to eat at Boom and Batten. Some of the like my highlights, they do two different kinds of gnocchi. Both are very, very good. Their pizzas are done in a stone oven. I I don't want to say like completely authentic, but uh, very, um, I would say fancy pizzas. So very, very lovely. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite items on the menu, I am a sucker for a Cajun chicken, grilled chicken sandwich, Um, Mm -hmm. especially with some aged white cheddar, which they have and pickles, lettuce, tomato. Um, They have a beautifully spiced uh, mayo or or an aioli. And uh, it's on a really fresh, tasty brioche bun. That is definitely one of my favorites. 
Um, they have something for everybody there. There's some good vegetarian options. A lot of their stuff can be made vegan. Their co- cauliflower coconut curry is another really, really good one. And then they have a bunch yeah. of different kinds of pizzas, like I said, in their in their wood oven. And then they have a large selection of uh, locally sourced uh, beers uh, from Phillips and Superflux, Driftwood. They have the classic Fat Tug. Different spots in Vancouver as well. So they've got Moody Ales there. Uh, currently they have their moody ale lavender sour and usually they'll have a um a seasonal kind of rotating tap as well lots of different kinds of cocktails that are always really really nicely done uh i know i've had their earl gray martini which was really really tasty they also have been starting to do some um non-alc uh or zero proof cocktails and so it's really nice to see uh not only uh having really nice cocktails with alcohol but also providing some tasty and very uh interesting and well put together non-alc cocktails as well yeah for sure they do carry some international wines and so they have some italian wines and some from south africa and spain but they also carry a decent amount of bc wine so they've got some from Joie Farm and Naramada, their Chardonnay is from Mission Hill, and Bartier Bros, which we've talked about on the show, which oh, yeah. is always really nice to see. And then also from uh, Checkmate as well, from Black Sage Bench in BC as well. So that's always cool. nice to see a little bit of a, a different kind of blend of different wines from different parts of the world, depending on where you're from. I guess they they definitely want to be able to provide a taste from different parts of the different parts of the world, considering they have such an international audience coming through. They also have some orange wine. You don't often, I, I personally, I don't see that very often in restaurants. So they have Thorn and Burroughs, Goritzemainer, Muscat, and Schonberger from Similkamine, BC. It's got some oranges and spices and stuff. So I haven't tried that, uh, but it oh. sounds very. Oh, it's like actually like orange yeah. wine. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then if you're into the uh, hard bar stuff, they do have some uh, locally sourced vodkas from Tofino Distillery. They've also mm-hmm. got some AV or Victoria Empress uh, gin, then some all uh, some mezcal, which I know you'd appreciate. Yeah, of course. Then some other uh, internationally recognized scotches and and whiskeys and everything. So quite a large bar. I find their bar really well placed, and their kitchen kind of cool as well because it's partially open, so you can watch the people working. No, you love that as well. And then the bar is kind of a square shape, and you can see all the drinks kind of sitting up on the uh, shelves above the bartenders, and then they're just kind of running around serving people around the bar. Like there's seating 360 around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. If you're looking for a great night with uh, your significant other, Boom and Batten is this place to be. Like I said, the area surrounding it is just beautiful. You're in this really amazing part of Victoria, and you can see a bunch of different things. It's also located, like the marina itself, is located on a really nice concrete walking path that basically walks along the edge of the water there. If you go out of Boom and Batten and basically go west, then you would hit uh, Spinnaker's Pub. Right. And if you head to your uh, head east, then you on the path, then you would head towards downtown. And so super beautiful just to, after your meal and after a couple of lovely cocktails or beers or wines. And you can have a nice, beautiful, romantic walk down the path, perfectly flat. And you can just see this very unique view of Victoria afterwards. So really nice. If dinner dates aren't really your thing as well, they actually have a cafe attached to it. Basically right when you walk in. So they serve pastries and um, lovely uh, coffee, different styles of coffee drinks. I don't see a menu on their website for the cafe, but they have all your classics. Every kind of coffee-based drink that you can think of, different kinds of tea. Right. 
amazing pastries and very unique as well. So yes, Boom and Batten, if you want to go for lunch, they also serve brunch as well, or dinner, or just a coffee date with uh, somebody maybe you just met. Uh, This place has everything you could possibly think of in a beautiful location of Victoria that's very easily accessible on a path that can connect you to the rest of downtown Victoria if that's just your first stop on your date night. Looking it up online, the outside of the building looks super stylish and fun and trendy and cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a double date is in our future to Boom and Boom. Okay. 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 Um, if you you find yourself in victoria and and wanting to go somewhere absolutely stunning boom and batten is located at two paul kane place in victoria bc amazing all right our first round of what have you been tasting what do you got for us oh well i have a extremely unique drink Mm -hmm. spirit actually from a company called salish sea spirits and they're up Uh, in powell uh, river uh, they're made from as many organic ingredients as they can, and they harvest botanicals and other ingredients that the nature provides in BC. And so they really kind of are featuring the land of British Columbia, mm. where they're producing. However, the one I want to talk about uses a very special plant that comes, I believe, only from Africa, unless they're growing it somehow here. And the plant is called oh. cola. And so cola is the pod or whatever, I haven't looked into it, uh, that is the flavor basis that started Coca-Cola and why it's called cola, mm-hmm. like Coca, like a cola drink. So that kind of nutty flavor. So they age the vodka on the cola nut, which is also caffeinated. So I don't know if any of the caffeine kind of makes it into the vodka, but that's that would be cool. So I tried the spirit straight mm-hmm. up and it was like drinking a strong Ooh. vodka cola drink. It was incredible, obviously without the carbonation, but it's this dark, rich amber color. It looks like an aged rum or like a bourbon or something in color. And because it's vodka, it's quite lacking in flavor originally. But then so you just the cola really comes through on it. And it is like nothing I've ever tasted before. Now, what to do with that other than drink it straight? I'm not sure. I don't know if it would be good in a cocktail or anything. I'm sure you can make some kind of like... uh coke inspired drink out of it like a like even just like a vodka soda with that would be pretty good because you get this really light kind of coke flavoring without all of the sugars and everything that's in coke or like a little bit of pineapple or kind of make a a cocktail like that would be really good as well but i think that just drinking it on a little bit like a big ice cube so it it keeps it nice and chill but doesn't melt too fast and just kind of having a sipping vodka would is a perfect way to drink it for that one yeah never had anything like it so i was super excited by it as a product i haven't been able to get up to powell river but i want to like i've i've been so mm-hmm. curious about the breweries up there and the other uh, and now this distillery and i'd love to go check it out so it's on my short list of places to go but in the meantime they distribute throughout various places in southern BC, so through Vancouver, through the Lower Mainland, Island, Sunshine Coast, and everything. So if you keep your eye out for Salish Seas Spirits, tongue twister, Cola Vodka, it's definitely one worth trying. Townsite Brewery is one of them in Powell River that is uh, Yes, I'm a huge huge fan of Townsite Brewery. I would love to go. Yeah. Love to go there sometime. Yeah, I believe I did a what you've been tasting about a year and a half Oof. ago of Townsite beer. So if you want to go back and take a look at that, uh, and if I didn't, <laughs> then I will at some point soon. But yes, Powell River is on my short list for sure. 
there's a cool documentary on Amazon Prime about Powell River and the forestry and climbing really? culture there. It's called On the Verge, and it follows a couple climbers who kind of discuss the forestry culture and the desire to, to forest some of the last of the old growth there. And they have a bit of an interesting relationship with the forestry because they're all environmentalists and they want to keep the nature preserved. But then it's the forestry industry that preserves the access to the climbing areas that they use so they have this kind of like love hate kind of relationship with the forestry industry it's a very it's only about 45 minutes but it's a very interesting documentary more kind of focused on if you're interested in forestry or climbing but i highly recommend it that sounds really cool yeah 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 really cool now dan we were going to do the second half of the space case this time but uh for unforeseen circumstances i.e you aren't prepared uh we're gonna push (laughs) that back to the next one <laughs> but rumor has it you something have something else to talk about uh this one and then we'll finish off the space case yes. next episode i unfortunately had some technical difficulties with uh the list that i compiled and the fact that we've uh packaged up all the cans to take to the return at depot and i'm gonna have to go finding the rest of the space case because i can't remember the rest of them that i tried off the top of my head <laughs> i'm gonna have to go uh kind of dumpster diving so <laughs> that's gonna be my List of things to do for uh, before next episode, but I have a really interesting uh, style of drink that I want to talk about this go around. Perfect. So we found this kind of drink at a Christmas market out in Central Saanich uh, when we were there with some friends, and they had a uh, they had a stand set up that you could taste and uh, talk to the owners and about the about the drinks and and everything. So this uh, place is called the Shrubbery Co. And they make shrubs. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I figured you would know what this is, but I yeah. I had never heard of it before. It's a very old-fashioned drink. Yes. So it's basically a combination of fruit, vinegar, spicing, and sugar. And it was originated in the colonial time when you weren't able to really preserve uh, fruits or vegetables because of lack of refrigeration, basically, or and uh, inability to freeze things on a consistent basis. These people have been working in Victoria for uh, over 15 years in different spot, uh, different parts of like the food industry, and then they've kind of come together to try the to make this really interesting vinegar-based drink. It is wonderful to enjoy. Yeah. The one that we ended up buying is their original one, which is their ginger. Sh- Schwetzel or Schwetzel? I'm assuming it's mm-hmm. there's some German in there, so I'm gonna call it the Schwetzel. And it's basically the vinegar and ginger uh, mixed with some coriander seed and honey, and it basically provides you with this uh, concentrate that you would do like a an ounce of this with six ounces of water or or in their case sparkling water and you yeah. can basically add it to any cocktail or iced tea or anything that you want to just add a little bit more flavor and deliciousness to and what you get yeah. is this really like i was kind of put off initially because i was like vinegar it's gonna be like super acidic and like it's gonna be like the drink equivalent of salt and vinegar chips that was in my head what it was going to be like, but me wanting to try something new, I t- decided to take a sip of the ginger one, and oh my god, it was so refreshing and so good. You do get a little bit of tanginess, but it's really mild acidity, and you just get this beautiful ginger-forward spice kind of flavor profile to it, and then it just finishes yeah. off with this really sweet finish, and it's such a really, such a unique experience, and it was 
delicious. So we bought a bottle of it, so we'll be able to yeah. have it when the summer comes around. It would be an incredibly refreshing summer drink and probably added to some cocktails as well. We can make some delicious yeah. cocktails out of it. So the, this company also makes other kinds of shrub, which uh, they have something like raspberry currant shrub, uh, pineapple shrub, mango ginger, which I definitely want to try, and uh, cucumber mint as well is another option. Yeah, so. cool. For those who haven't had a shrub, I'd say it's, it's similar to like a kombucha in terms of the flavor mm-hmm. profile yeah. and if you've ever had those apple cider drinks that you can get from like the fancy grocery stores or whatever it's probably like halfway between that and the kombucha which is really cool i've mm-hmm. only ever had it with sparkling water but i know you can do it with still as well yeah it was really really interesting and super uh, tasty i'll definitely want to try different like flavors of it as well because yeah. it, it seems like you can kind of go in any direction you want with the flavor yeah. profile yeah and, and i think it's kind of where the idea of like having ginger ale when you're sick came from because that's very much those mm-hmm. components of really kind of sharp and i don't know what the word is but you know the people that have a spoonful of ginger or whatever to try to kick their cold mm-hmm. or whatever so yeah yeah totally oh super it was super cool so definitely something to look out for the company is called the shrubbery co amazing you're able to find them in victoria mainly and at gourmet groceries you can find them in vancouver definitely something to look out for all right so where are you taking me on a date, a nice romantic date night, Jeff? Yeah, so I'm going to tell you about a little place on Main Street in Vancouver called The Acorn. Oh, And nice. The Acorn was opened in 2012 by Brian Skinner. Brian Skinner's culinary history is kind of fun. He's a Vancouver-based person, chef who worked at one of the big chains for a couple of years, decided he wanted to expand his culinary experience. So he moved to France and he did a stage at a Michelin star kitchen and was experiencing the the French kitchen brigade as the only Anglophone and, you know, struggled through that, but gained a tremendous amount of experience. He did a couple other experiences over there and then decided to come back and uh, sir, and open with his partner a higher end vegetable focused seasonal food area in Vancouver. And so it's kind of, it, it, it's exactly like the uh, farm to table that you'd, you'd expect from a smaller restaurant. It's only 44 seats. They had local vendors. They opened up with a ton of vegan, gluten free, raw options. They were very dietary friendly. Everything was vegetarian or less essentially if you look at it as a scale from top to bottom and then they also wanted to have a very approachable price range for the stuff that they were actually producing even though it's in a higher end kind of environment about three years later in 2015 brian skinner sold after building up some credibility uh, and then he and his family wanted to spend some more time together and owning a restaurant isn't the way to do that so he sold to another brian named brian luptak And as far as I can tell, the second Brian has run the restaurant ever since. They have continued the tradition of the higher end casual fine dining, kind of maybe a little bit higher end than that, uh, vegetable focused plates, really unique foods, really exploring what they can do with local suppliers. They have a ton of providers in the city that that are local. They use like BC garlic, Clippers Organics for tomatoes and other fruit. They've got a list of about 20 farms, 15 to 20 farms on their website that they use uh, that are all local. Everything comes from BC or at worst Western Canada. 99% of the stuff that they produce, including a lot of the tableware they use comes from 
makers and vendors in BC or Western Canada. Mm-hmm. Another thing that um, Brian Luptak wanted to do uh, when he took over was create uh, this high-end dining experience, but with zero waste. And so they are now a zero waste kitchen. Every piece of food that comes in, they use in one way or another, whether it's for stocks or stews or what they call the harvest special, which is a weekly meal that they create as a special and is always just kind of told to you through the server at the table. And it's a very flavorful and kind of personal experience because they have a rotating menu they keep things kind of fresh and interesting they explore different options with the foods that they get and if something doesn't work they'll change it and they'll move on like they'll do kind of smaller plates that are super affordable so sometimes when my wife and i go we'll actually get three or four plates and we'll share all of it and it still comes in at less than maybe getting two plates from the place down the street Mm -hmm. for example in addition to being zero waste and expanding on this project uh, that was started by Skinner. Luptak then was, well, the Acorn was then awarded with a recommended dining at from Michelin last year in 2022. Wow. Which uh, was the first time that Michelin came into Vancouver and they awarded 40 restaurants one level of award. So I think about eight or 10 of them got a one Michelin star. And then there's another tier that's basically like between that and recommended. And then Acorn made it onto the recommended list as well. So super cool. And and obviously on the first round was really great. I don't think that it was the Michelin is kind of prides themselves on like you can't ask to come in and get rated. So they were discovered and recommended and were given this award by Michelin in 2022. They also, they opened a sister restaurant in, I want to say 2016, just a couple doors down, kind of a more casual, but the same premise. There's local and a bunch of handmade meals. Uh, I'm not going to get into that side specifically because it would be far too much to talk about today, but that's called the Arbor. And it started by kind of the same group and they do a very good job not competing with the Acorn, but kind of supplementing. So they're very good for more casual meals. Amazing. The Acorn also has what they call a market where they kind of started this over COVID where they had these really affordable takeaway meals. And after they were able to open inside again, they continued a lot of that where they sell their Caesar dressing, preservative, or sorry, preserves and wild harvest syrup. And what's really cool about what they do is like a lot of the stuff that they're making here, they also would just be found on the menu. So if they get a big shipment of a certain fruit or veggie or whatever uh you'll often see kind of up on the shelves they have them preserving because they want to use them year round so they'll get them in once a year when it's in season and then they'll they'll use it maybe fresh for the harvest plate for that month or that week and then they'll use the preserve they'll preserve the rest and then they'll keep them for the year round ingredient that they use like pickled carrots or whatever it is the menu itself there is a big list of options you can get everything out of the cart from basically just a local sourdough plate all the way up to what we talked about, which was the harvest plate, which is daily rotating feature, uh, sometimes lasts a week, sometimes lasts as little as a day, depending on how much of the ingredients they have, and then everything in between. So they'll kind of focus on one specific ingredient, and then they'll build a plate around that. So for example, they have halloumi, which are basically like halloumi fries, they're beer battered, uh, salted, and then they're served with a tartar sauce. They have shiitake, which is soy braised squash kelp, ginger, and lemongrass, and then featuring around local shiitake mushrooms. Everything they do as well, they kind of do the same thing. They focus on the one ingredient, and then they pull it apart and make this 
beautiful masterpiece, very artful plate that incorporates the plate, the design, and incorporates the main ingredient, and it incorporates all of the kind of supplementary ingredients towards that. And this menu is updated frequently based on what they're able to get their hands on with local providers, seasonal ingredients, and just what's good and what can be improved on. It's a really cool menu. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of things as well on the menu that even having been a chef for a long time, I have to kind of think, oh, what is that ingredient or what is that version of that ingredient or what is that kind of cook method sometimes too. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there that I have no idea what it is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But the servers are all very well educated on the menu and they can speak very elegantly about it as well. So if you ask what something is, they'll know and they'll not have to go check or anything. They'll be able to kind of walk you through the whole thing, Mm -hmm. which is really great. And then they do a chef's menu as well. So you can take a a multi-course experience, I think, Uh, The amount of courses kind of varies depending on what they're doing. And it's served family style. So you and a group of friends can get together and they'll serve you an equivalent amount or basically the amount that is fair for that amount of people Mm -hmm. on a shared dining experience. And you can do that for $79 a person. And then you can also pair all your wines with it as well. Love that. For $55 a person on top of that. So it's actually still quite a reasonable price for doing that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're with a group of people and you're all getting a bunch of different... Like, honestly, I could I could go in there and I could, with enough people, just order one of everything and be super satisfied with that. So <laughs> um, this is kind of that same experience. But you're always going to get something that's a little bit unique to that day or that, that, they're, that they're doing in that time. So for that, you usually have to book ahead because they only produce a certain amount a day. And the priority is obviously reservations, but they will offer it to walk-in guests if they have enough. Sweet. On weekends, they do uh, Saturdays and Sundays, they do brunch as well. And this is a perfect date morning, too, if you want to do that. They do very kind of the same idea. They do very well-curated menu items that focus on one main ingredient and then they kind of build off of that so they have like for example like egg on toast they've got a potato which is basically just like smashed potatoes but they do it so elegantly and like flavorfully one of my favorite dishes that i get from there is one of the brunch items called the mushroom it's fried oyster mushrooms with it's basically like chicken and waffles but it's fried mushroom and waffle but then they have done like a Asian twist on it. And so they're doing like a koji gravy and fermented chili and koji is like a fermented mushroom. So you get this really kind of beautiful flavor profile, a little bit of fermentation on it, which gives it a little bit of that kick. And yeah, but we're focusing on date night. So, so I'll bring it back to dinner and I'll bring it back to date night drinks. So they of course have sparkling wines uh white reds they even have a section for rosé and orange wines nice so there's (laughs) there's part of that trend happening now what i want to talk about is they put a lot of they put a lot of love into their cocktails as well they don't have a hugely expansive cocktail list although they'll be able to make you pretty much anything but their signature cocktails they got a negroni they use odd society which we've talked about on the show Mm -hmm. um distillery gin for that they have one called the side cardamom which a sidecar in is like a highball in uh cocktail culture so the side cardamom obviously plays on that they're using brandy amaro uh limoncello uh madeira which is like a sweet red wine and then fresh lemon and then a porcini and cardamom rim so you're gonna get kind of this like sweet sour and gosh how do you explain cardamom well the cardamom kind of flavor and notes from that as well on it and then ginger spice and everything nice, which is like a rum sour with eggnog seasoning in it. So super cool things. Those change up as well based on season and what's available. When I was last there, I also noticed that they had, 
I think it's a rye that is actually branded the acorn. And I meant to ask about it, but I wasn't able to talk about it because they were, they were busy at the time. But it looks like they're getting a, I think it's a rye made specifically for them awesome. as well. So uh, next time I go, I'll have to try it out and let you guys know about that. Amazing. So. The ginger spice and everything nice was one that jumped off of the menu for me. Like the fresh pear and ginger juice infused with uh, cloves and star anise. I don't know what that is, but it, that... It's like a licorice flavor. Ah, well, there yeah. you go. Perfect. Even more intriguing. That's yeah. the most delicious looking Yeah, cocktail. so super Oof. good. I also am a big fan of their Caesars. Oh. I go there for lunch more than dinner, but I have been there for dinner and it's just wonderful experience. So yeah, definitely a place to check out. It's a small little cute venue. You walk in and then you're confronted with basically a curtain and then you step out, step through the curtain and you're confronted with this small little venue. It is about six or eight seats at the bar. And then there's about six seats at a bar facing the other way that leans up against the window. So you're kind of like be able to people watch. But then otherwise, you don't really get too much of a view outside. This is kind of cozy, dimly lit in a good way. It's not too, it's never too dark in there, like some places, but very romantic and kind of mood setting for the night. Uh, the kind of place where you'd expect to have like a candle and hold hands the whole dinner and then feed each other off a fork and all that gross stuff. So. <laughs> So gross. Yeah, it's just a it's just a great little venue. They take the time with the table. They tell you all about it. Whenever they present a dish, they tell you all about the dish itself as well. Yeah, I, I just I've never had bad service there. So wow. Yeah, it's it's just a really great experience. And if you are in the Vancouver area and want to go check out the Acorn, they're located at thirty nine ninety five Main Street in Vancouver. And that's uh, about a block north of King Ed Boulevard. And there's pay parking and uh, a couple blocks away you can find free parking as well. Awesome. Well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Kavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. You can also now connect with us on Untapped. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next. And never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really helps us grow and we really do appreciate the feedback. Until next time, support local and keep it tasty. Nice. It's one of the go-tos for sure. If you're looking for a really romantic night uh, with your honey, uh, this spot is just... (laughs) God, can we take that out?